B eventually this morning. Joshua chapter 24, and we're going to read uh, verses 14 through verse 27. But we've been focusing on the family this week, talking about mom, talking about dad, and the importance of us uh, having that family, uh, the spiritual uh, applications that apply to the family. Uh, because as I mentioned, and I firmly believe this, that the family is under attack. That the devil is trying all that he can to uh, destroy the family. Because again, the family is just a microcosm of what the church is. And so if Satan can destroy the family, his ultimate goal is to destroy the church. Which as we know, he's not going to be able to accomplish, but he's still going to try to do that. And so the devil is attacking the family at every turn, at every time and place that he can. And so we need to have strong families. And really to have a strong family, it starts with having a strong leadership, a strong head of that family. And so when I think of a strong leader in the Bible, I think of Joshua. Remember, Joshua was the one that took Moses' place after Moses died. Joshua was the one that was chosen to lead God's people. And to look back at that, wasn't that a fantastic decision? Here Joshua is. He is a military man, and military people are typically pretty well disciplined. They are very good at leadership. And so God chose Joseph because, not Joseph, God chose Joshua because he was going to have him lead God's people. And so we need to have a strong leadership within the family unit, and that really starts with dad. So we're going to talk about leadership today and some things that we need to work on uh, with our family. But let's begin by reading Joshua chapter 24, and let's read uh, starting in verse 14. This is Joshua speaking. He says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for your day, uh, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from, uh, from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he had done you good. 
And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves, that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone will be as a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. Joshua was getting towards the end of his life, so he tried to get God's people to make a commitment that they would serve God and him alone. And Joshua even made a commitment for him and for his house that they were going to serve the Lord. And so we can see some things here that I think will challenge us uh, to have the family that God really wants us to have. My first point this morning, we need to build a grace-filled family. If you go back there in chapter 24 and look at some of the previous verses, uh, like in verse 11 through verse 13, I won't read all those to you this morning. There's a bunch of ites in there. But what basically Joshua was uh, bringing to their remembrance was that God supplied all of their needs. God took care of them. Whenever they went to a land and it was already occupied, it was God that provided the way for them to be able to live there. And so Joshua was basically telling them, it was God that put you where you are today. Don't forget it. And I think that's true with us today. We are in the position that we are today as a family is because God put you there. Whether you're making more money or maybe you're, you live in a nice house or maybe you drive a nice car, don't forget who gave you those things. It wasn't yours. God allowed you to have it. Don't forget it. And I think we oftentimes need to sit down as a family unit you and your wife and your kids, and sit there and think about the blessings that God has given to you. That's what Joshua did. He said, listen, God provided for you in verse number 11 against the Amorites and the Pezzarites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Gergashites and the Hivites, the Jebusites. All those people were God's enemies, and it was God that conquered them so that they could have that land. It would be good for us to sit down as a family and recall the blessings that God has given to us. Do you remember when dad lost a job two years ago and that we prayed about that and now dad has got a better job than what he had before? Remember when little Johnny was sick with something uh, four or five years ago and, and we prayed for him and the church prayed for him and now he is a strong, healthy, vibrant young boy or young girl? 
Remember that? Remember how God blessed us? Remember when we was praying for so-and-so to become a Christian and we prayed and prayed and prayed and finally they made that important decision to do that? Remember how God took care of that? We need to remind our kids of the blessings that have been given to them. I don't like to write very much, but I think it would be good for us to write a journal. A lot of women do this. Uh, us men don't. But it would be good for us to write a journal and just write down how God blesses you on those days. And then maybe recall it in memory in 10 or 15 years from now. If you don't like to write, maybe you can uh, verbally record a message or something like that. I remember back in, uh, back in February when we went down to the Pigeon Forge thing, uh, one of the preachers there, um, his grandpa had died a couple years prior to that, and unbeknownst to the family, the grandpa recorded on cassette tapes him reading the entire New Testament. And when they died, they found those tapes, and the family has their grandpa's voice reading scripture to them. Wouldn't that be kind of neat for us to do? Recording? Just sit there with your iPhone or whatever kind of phone you got. Just hit record and then just talk about how God has blessed you and your family. And then maybe 10 or 15 years from now when you kick the bucket and they find your iPhone and somehow they can open that up and they hear your voice telling them how God has blessed you. Be pretty neat, wouldn't it? Or if you're like Jan uh, Aiken, remember her? She'd write, she wrote poems. She would write poems about everything that she did in her life. She has two or three books of poems published, and all of those poems are how God blessed her in different situations. May it be good for us to write these things down and recall them to memory from time to time because we have been blessed by God. I think that word blessed gets thrown out a lot nowadays. Everybody's blessed. But man, if we sit down and just write those things down, we can truly see how God has blessed us. My second point this morning is in Joshua chapter 24 in the first part of verse 14. We need to teach our families to truly worship God the way that he needs to be worshipped. In chapter 24 and verse 14, there's a key word there. He says, now therefore... Fear the Lord, serve him with sincerity and in truth. If we truly want to worship God, we need to worship him in fear. Now that word fear, I looked this particular word up, it is the idea of having great respect for someone. Now here's the quote. You have such a deep respect that we want to do all that we can to please him. Let me do that again. You have such a deep respect for God that you want to do all that you can to please him. Is that your attitude? Is that your attitude that you have such a deep respect for God that you're going to do all that you can to make him happy? That should be our goal, shouldn't it? Yes, we can have a, a fear, we can have a, an awe of God, and I think that we should, but we should have such a respect for God that we want to do whatever we can to make sure that we are being obedient to him. 
And I think parents, mom and dad in the family, have such a grave responsibility in this manner to teach our kids how to properly worship God. That means we as mom and dad needs to sing. We as mom and dad needs to pray. We as mom and dad need to study together. We as mom and dad need to read together so that our kids can see us worshiping God. We can tell them all kinds of things of what they are to do or not to do, but they're going to see us do it. And that is such a powerful thing for our kids to see us doing godly spiritual things. Has your kid ever seen you kneel by the bed and pray at night? Does your kid ever see you uh, as they walk through the living room with the Bible on your lap reading the Word of God? Does your kids ever see you uh, preparing your communion meditation or uh, preparing for your scripture reading? Do your kids ever see you do those things? If they don't, if they don't see you doing it, what's going to get them to want them to do it? When they can see mom and dad, they're going to want to do it as well. Men, we have the highest responsibility of this area of our life. God has made us to be the leaders of the house, both physically and spiritually. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school class. Men are to instruct and to teach our kids. That's physical things. That's spiritual things. We have a responsibility to do that. I read a quote recently, and it goes like this. For too many years, we have delegated spiritual leadership to the women while the men go out into the world to make a living. That's happened, doesn't it? That does happen. We neglect our spiritual leadership as men because we are so busy doing other things when our focus ought to be on our family, teaching them spiritual things, and so mom has to do it for us. God forbid. We as men need to stand up and to speak up and to do our part and become leaders of our family. I have a picture here. It's from 1959. It's from Norman Rockwell. And it's called, I think the title of it is called Going to Church. I don't know if you can see that or not. This was in 1959. Uh, the Saturday Post, I think it was called. It's called Going to Church. You see what's going on there? Mom has taken the two girls and the boy to church. And what's dad doing? He's smoking a cigarette, reading the newspaper on Sunday morning. And the boy is kind of looking back, and I don't know if the boy is thinking, what's dad doing? Or maybe the boy is thinking, man, I wish I could stay home with dad. But us men have forsaken our spiritual obligation to our family. Dad should be the one that should be leading the other four out the door, shouldn't he? And so we oftentimes have shirk, shirk, shirking. We have neglected our spiritual duty as men and we're not doing what we're supposed to do. We have such a grave responsibility as men to be the spiritual leaders of our family. The third point that I can mention this morning is in the second part of Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. We need to become students of obedience. 
In verse 14, he says, Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. That was Joshua trying to encourage the men to do what they need to do by serving God and him only. If you look there in verse 14 and verse 15, Joshua uses the word served or served seven different times in these two verses alone. So that sounds to me like that must be something pretty important if he says it seven different times that they are to serve. And so Joshua wanted people who were willing to serve the Lord and him only. He adds the phrase there in verse 14, Fear the Lord, serve him with sincerity and in truth. In other words, we need to serve God in all faithfulness. We need to be all in for God. That's what he wants. That's what he demands. Every aspect of our life needs to be surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. Every single aspect of our life, we need to surrender it to Christ. We don't like to use the word Lord. We don't like to use the word master anymore. We don't like to use the word slave. But I tell you what, friend, this morning the Bible tells you that you're a slave. You're either a slave to the world or you're a slave to God. The word Lord is the exact same word that means master. You see, there is a Lord over you this morning. That Lord is either God or that Lord is the devil. You're serving somebody. And so it would be so much better for us if we totally surrender our life to God and serve him. Make him the Lord, master of our life. We can hide nothing from God. Yes, we can hide things from our parents, can't we? I did that. There's some things I've done when I was a kid that my parents still don't know anything about. But we can't hide from God, can we? We can go behind the shed and smoke a cigarette, but guess who's there? God's back there. You can crawl in the back of your car and do things with your girlfriend that you shouldn't be doing, but guess who's there? God's there. You can go behind the bleachers and, and drink some uh, alcohol with your friends at, college, or at school, but guess who's there with you? God's right back there. God sees everything. We can't hide anything from God. We can hide it from the preacher. That's pretty easy to do. We can hide it from our parents. That's pretty easy to do. But we cannot hide anything from God. Is God truly your Lord and master? Or are you playing footsies with the devil? That's a decision that we have to look in our own life. When we truly love God, being obedient to him will just fall into place, won't it? Jesus tells us in the book of John, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's just that easy, isn't it? If you love your parents, you'll keep their commandments for the most part. We may falter every once in a while. But when we love God and we can love Jesus with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we can obey them. You know, we say that, oh, I just can't do it. The Christian life is too hard. It's difficult, yeah, 
But if we truly love God, if we truly have that passion for him that he has for us, then we can be obedient and we can live for him. In verse number 15, this is my favorite verse probably in the Old Testament. Joshua makes a stand here. He basically says, you all, that's Kentucky and that's Hillbillian. Hey, y'all, y'all can do what you want to do. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We may be the only ones left in the world, but we're going to be faithful to him. And so my fourth point is we need to remember our spiritual heritage. Joshua, again, is talking to God's people here in verse 15. And he says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. If you think it's too hard, if you think it's too difficult to serve God, then go ahead and serve those false gods that were over on the other side of the river. Go ahead and do that if you want. You see, Joshua gave them a choice that they had to make. What do you want to do? Do you want to serve God or do you want to serve all those false gods? We got to make a decision. And it's the same way with us today. We have a decision to make. Who do you want to serve? Do you want to serve God? Or do you want to serve some false God? Do you want to serve the devil? Do you want to serve yourself? You can't play both games, can you? You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and expect to be happy. It's not going to work that way. We can do both. And so we have a choice to make this morning. We either need to serve God wholeheartedly or go back and live in the world. And I kind of talked about that Sunday night, so I won't repeat myself. But we have a decision to make. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to serve God, give it 110%. If you don't want to do that, then just go back and live in the world. Why would you want to tiptoe through church, kind of come and go and do this and do that. And then at judgment day, God says, depart from me, I never knew you. Why would you want to come to church and waste all your time doing this foolishness if you're going to be separated from God anyway? Live it up. Go out and do whatever you want in the world. Live like a heathen. Because the reward's going to be the same anyway. But, 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 if you want to go to heaven, then live it to the fullest. Give God everything that you have. Live the Christian life. Tell your friends and your neighbors and your family about what God did for you and how God changed you. And be the best Christian you can ever be. I just came to my mind a song that they used to have. Um, <clears throat> if I remember it. Jesse Taylor. They baptized Jesse Taylor in Cedar Creek last Sunday. Remember that song? That guy made a change, didn't he? He used to be a drunk. He used to go chase women. And the second verse said, man, he is a complete different person now. That's because he serves God. My last point this morning, we need to choose daily to serve the Lord. I mean, we live in a world that's just wicked, it's crazy, there's all kinds of uh, garbage going on. We need to make almost a daily commitment that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve God. 
This is exactly what God expects of us to do. We all must make a decision personally whether we are going to serve God or not. I can't make that decision for you. I wish I could. I wish I could make the decision for everyone that I know that they are going to become Christians and live a fantastic life and then be in heaven together with me one day. I wish I could make that decision for them. I wish I could make that decision for you, that you're going to live a faithful life, that you're going to be the best Christian that you can be so that you can be with me in heaven. I wish I could make that choice for you. But we have to make that on our own, don't we? That's even true with our kids. We need to make sure that we do the best that we can to give them the example of what a Christian is to look like so that they know what is expected of them. Again, we as fathers have a, a very grave obligation to that, don't we? That we lead our kids and we can lead the best by our example, by living the life that God wants us to live. You know, I found this out recently. Not really. We can't force people to do things that we want them to do, can we? Man, I wish we could. I wish we talked about this before, filling this baptistry full of water and just dragging people up there and dunking them in. That doesn't make them a Christian, though, does it? Remember Constantine back in the 300s, what he did? He was a religious person. He was a Christian, and he wanted people to become like his mom. And so he marched his army down to the river, and he baptized every single person in his army. And as they were baptized, they stuck their sword out of the water. They went down as sinners, and they came back up as sinners. Because you can't force a person to make that decision of what they need to do. All you can do is tell them about it. All you can do is tell and show them about it. But ultimately, that's up to them. And so our kids, the people that we love, we, we want what's best for them. We want them to become Christians. But ultimately, that decision is up to them. All we can do as fathers and as parents is pray for them and show them by our example of what we want them to do. As we close this morning, I was thinking about this. Joshua was pretty bold, wasn't he? Joshua made a pretty bold move. He said before an entire audience, he made a public, old, public declaration that he was going to serve the Lord. We need to do that today as Christians. We need to make a public declaration to people that I am a Christian, I am going to serve the Lord. He made a decision, a personal decision. He says, but as for me, you can do whatever you want to, people, but as for me, I'm going to serve God. He also made that with his family. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What about you this morning? What decision have you made? I'll tell you what, doing nothing, that is a decision. To simply sit here and do nothing, you have made the decision that you're serving yourself, that you're serving the devil. Oh, I don't want you to do that. I want you to serve God. I want you to be the person that God truly <clears throat> wants you to be.
And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, oh, I encourage you to do so. If you're a parent, then maybe we haven't been the best parents in the world. We need to make changes, don't we? Because we realize that we have kids that are watching us. And so what a great thing for us to be able to, to show them how Jesus lives and dwells in our